How are you now? Welcome to the Letterkenny Podcast. I'm your host, Arish, and this is episode 8. On this episode, Letterkenny and some of its cast clean up the Canadian Screen Awards. The people that make Letterkenny are off to make some more down in the U.S. Now, excuse me while I get my trophy shelf ready for the Canadian Podcast Awards, and let's start the Letterkenny Podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is the eighth episode of the Letterkenny Podcast. Uh, this past weekend was the Canadian Screen Awards, and Letterkenny has done very well for itself. Some of the awards that they did get, Best Writing for a Comedy uh, for the episode The Spelling Bee. Um, that award went to Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney. Had Best Lead Actor in a Comedy, Jared Kiso. And Best Photography in a Comedy, Jim Westenbrink, for the episode We Don't Fight at Weddings. Now, some awards were also given to shows where a few of the Letterkenny cast have appeared as well. Sort of Letterkenny-adjacent awards, if you will. The Drama Cardinal uh, is a limited series. They do six episodes a year, and they won an award for lead actor and lead actress. Now, our own Gail, uh, Lisa Codrington, uh, appeared on the show, and not in any manner that you'd expect. She played a doctor, and she was very well acted, and... It was kind of nice to see her speak normally and not always gyrating when she did. Also, Bad Blood won an award for lead actor and Michelle Milet and Joel Ganyang. They were also on that show. And so Letterkenny actors are doing well on other shows as well. So it's good to see. It's nice that we've got an ensemble cast of fantastic acting. One of the more touching moments was during the award ceremony where an award was given for the late producer Kevin Tierney. That's the father of Jacob Tierney, who plays uh, Pastor Klein. Received an award, the Board of Directors Tribute, for his work in Canadian film. And to accept the award were Jacob and his sister Bridget. Let's give a listen. Um, unlike the, uh, the last honoree uh, who said that um, her, her late husband would have been shocked, uh, Kevin would not have been shocked. <laughs> he would have felt that he deserved it. He would, have, he would have probably said, like, thanks for waiting till I died. Uh, one of Kevin's favorite jokes was every time a new um, governor general was appointed, he would send out a group email to everybody he knew saying, I was once again passed over for this job. Um, our father was an extraordinary man. He did not lack in confidence, as anyone who, uh, who met him could tell you. Um, but he was an amazing trailblazer in this business. Uh, he was an amazing mentor to a lot of people. And his contributions to this industry are super, I think, important. And it's very moving for my sister and I to be able to receive this. It was actually quite nice. In other news, uh, New Metric Media, the people that produce Letterkenny, are in the process of creating a U.S.-based division, according to Deadline Hollywood. The article mentions uh, other shows that they produce as well, and talking about the popularity of Letterkenny. They plan on broadening the brand, of Letterkenny, not to just make shows, but they, you know, merchandising and they do the live shows as well. They're talking about expanding that. And, you know, the, anecdotally, they mention how they've sold merchandise for Letterkenny across the U.S. long before the show was even legally available there. And they also make references to puppers and people getting their hands on that. So um, I'll post a link for the article uh, and you can check it out. So let's get on with the review. Today's episode is The Election. Originally aired December 25th, 2016, directed by Jacob Tierney, written by Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney. We open with Wayne, Daryl, and Squirrely Dan having a puppers in, in the barn and discussing how, as president of the Ag Hall, 
Wayne is going to do his part for his first act. Wayne, not clear about the idea, is told that he should be doing some sort of charitable act or work to curry favor with the public. Whatever he does, they tell him, make sure somebody knows about it. This doesn't sit well with Wayne, as it seems like the act should really be its own reward, as opposed to doing it for the publicity. They go back and forth, but Wayne is unconvinced. And we get our opening credits. After the credits, we start with Jonesy and Riley chirping from the bench at a Letterkenny Irish hockey game. And they're going hard on number 1-9. The senior guys on the team call them out for chirping the other players, saying they're still schmelts and they haven't earned the right to chirp yet. From off in the stands, the coach rips into them. And while Riley and Jonesy are commenting to each other how they're lucky he isn't their coach anymore, Shorzy lets them have it from the stands too. Bart's and Yorkie say all this time chirping could be better put doing legs. They love legs. We cut to the ag hall where Wayne has just finished up business. He's about to adjourn when McMurray, upset over how he was outed as president, wants to make a motion to have an election to see who will be president of the ag hall. They'll campaign for a week, then hold an election. And the motion passes. Outside the dollar store, the skids are doing their skid thing. When Katie walks up, standing outside as well is Bonnie McMurray, who warns Katie not to go inside as the skids have crop dusted the store. Uh, crop dusting is when you fart and walk, pulling the fart behind you in your wake. Classy. Katie and Devin get into a passive-aggressive, backhanded, complimented conversation. Partway through, Rold comes over and gets baited into the back and forth. Getting the all clear from Bonnie, Katie heads inside, where the skids continue their dancing outside. And that's when Mr. and Mrs. McMurray come up to Devin and ask him to produce a smear campaign against Wayne for the election. They think about it. Since hurting Wayne hurts Katie, which hurts Stuart, they agree. Meanwhile, Stuart is trying to convince Wayne to do a similar thing, which Wayne is unfamiliar with. Wayne won't have any of it and proceeds to pack up his lawnmower and go help some people in town with their chores. Stuart is wondering what Devin is up to. We cut away to Devin, who's assembled a wide variety of people of different backgrounds and ethnicities to make a unified message that Wayne just isn't ready. McMurray points out, though, there aren't any ethnicities on the egg hall, which prompts Devin to say, it's 2015. Uh, more on that later. He directs the actors to play up their diverse backgrounds. Stuart... Meanwhile, is still trying to convince Wayne to make a video when he shows him what Devin has produced. A video which plays up his inexperience and trivializes his charity work. Mowing lawns, like that's going to stop the grass from growing. Stewart assembles Wayne, Derry, Dan, Katie, Riley, and Jonesy to make a counter video. Katie's upset that Riley and Jonesy are there. Riley and Jonesy say she dumped them. Katie tricks Riley and Jonesy into admitting they were getting some side action. Anyways, Stuart begins by trying to get Wayne to say something slanderous about McMurray, but he can't. Derry and Dan burp and fart. Riley and Jonesy are just doing vocal exercises. And Katie shows us her bra. You. Then no matter what Stuart tries to do to get them to focus, it's not working, and he leaves frustrated. Back at the egg hall, 
It's vote day, and surprisingly, Wayne loses the presidency by a vote of 7-3, to three, with Dan, Derry, and Wayne being the only votes for him. As usual, Wayne is cordial on losing, and gives the gavel back to McMurray. Jim Dickens comes over to Wayne and apologizes for not voting for him because his video turned him off. Wayne, unaware of a video out, checks it out on Derry's phone. It opens with Katie in a swimsuit, washing a truck, eating a cheeseburger, saying McMurray's a piece of shit. Followed by Stuart, Derry, and Dan saying McMurray's a piece of shit. Riley and Jonesy parody a beer commercial with Stuart and end with, yeah, McMurray's a piece of shit. Wayne isn't impressed. We cut to Riley and Jonesy showering after a game and talking about how this team is absolutely no fun. Bart's and Yorkie walk in and <laughs> Riley and Josie start chirping to them about their uh, <clears throat> um, lack of personal grooming, let's say. They chirp back and forth, but it really gets Bart's and Yorkie angry when Riley and Jonesy say they skip leg day. And then they tussle, buck naked, in the showers. Stewart is at the produce stand explaining to Wayne how he'd never say they'd win. He'd just be Devin's view count. Wayne doesn't think, in hindsight, that McMurray's meetings are bad enough to get into politics. As Stuart leaves, Jim Dickens drives up with two other members of the Ag Hall, offering to help return the favor for him cutting their grass. They shake hands. Roll credits. Again, there is no after credit scene. A couple of notes on this episode. This is the first appearance of Asian Woman, played by Jade Kiao. A brown guy played by Abdul Monas. IMDb doesn't have an internet search on these two, so I think this is the only thing they've ever been in. Uh, Wally played by Joseph Nakogi. You've seen him before in season one as Tannis's dad and Katie's friend who helps buy them weed. A um, couple of notes on the music. Uh, when the skids are outside the dollar store is Wood by DJ Donna Summer. And the final credit scene is Post Fahey by Brendan Canning. My favorite dialogue or scene. Uh, to me, the best part of this episode is right in the cold open when Dan and Derry are trying to convince Wayne to do a charitable act for publicity. Whatever you do, just make sure people's know about it. Yeah, like you're gonna wanna have somebody come down from the paper, take a photo of it, tweet a tweet, and Snapchat. Why? Well, if it's not in the papers or on the internet, it's pretty much worthless. You know what? I think we should almost be snapping a chat about us talking about doing the charitables right now. Pump the brakes. Now, am I doing the charitables for the charity's gain or my own? Well, you do the charitables for the charity, but the whole point of doing the charitables is that people think you're a good guy for being charitables. Yeah, behaving charitably, you'll have people saying, like, Oh, he's a good guy. Oh, he's a real good guy. Oh, he's a great guy. I love this scene. Um, maybe it's because I remember a time before rampant social media. Uh, I'm not sure. But doing things that make people internet famous really for doing fuck all makes me irritated. So with political campaigns running officially and unofficially for over a year, if it's not a negative an ad, it's fucking blatant pandering. So this kind of attitude I wish more politicians had and it's a breath of fresh air. My thoughts on this episode. So for people outside of Canada and maybe even some inside it, uh, this episode was a parody of the 2015 Canadian federal election. 
Um, at the time, the incumbent conservative government under Stephen Harper had been in power for nine years when the Liberal Party uh, selected Justin Trudeau as their leader. And one of the ads that made a lot of noise was an attack ad that highlighted Justin Trudeau's inexperience. You can listen to it here, and I'll link a video to the ad. And when I when you see it, you'll see that McMurray's video is almost beat for beat the conservative video. And what does the experience section say about keeping us safe? Well, he wants to send winter jackets to Syria. Like that will stop ISIS? He's like a celebrity who says things before thinking them through. So what are his policies? Legalizing marijuana. Is that the biggest problem we have to solve? He has some growing up to do. So when has he ever had to make a tough choice? People, being prime minister is not an entry-level job. Nice hair, though. Justin Trudeau. He's just not ready. So that's kind of the basis of this episode. And you notice how everybody was saying, it's 2015. Well, again, that's a reference to Justin Trudeau. So in November of 2015, uh, when Justin Trudeau won the election, he announced his cabinet and he deliberately made sure it was half the cabinet was female. So 15 male, 15 female. Uh, when asked at the press conference about it. Um, your cabinet, you said, looks a lot like Canada. And I understand one of the priorities for you was to have a cabinet that was gender balanced. Why was that so important to you? Because it's 2015. <laughs> so as a bit of a footnote, that particular move and, and that audio also made international headlines to the point where the UN had actually said it moved Canada's uh, rank up to fourth place, tied with uh, France and Liechtenstein for gender equality. Previously, Canada was number 20. And that'll do it for this episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate this episode on iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. You can reach me on Twitter at LetterkennyPod, Facebook, LetterkennyPod as well, or on LetterkennyPodcast.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. To close out the episode, I'm going to play you something from the Headstones. They recently released a cover of Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's pretty sweet. Check it out.